Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Monday, March 20th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Start spreading the news. K-State from the Little Apple is headed to the Big Apple. The Wildcats won their way to the East Regional Sweet 16 with a dramatic 75-69 victory over Kentucky on Sunday in Greensboro, North Carolina. Kentucky led for much of the game, but K-State point guard Marquise Noel wouldn't let his team lose. He played an amazing game with 27 points and 9 assists. And in the game's biggest sequence, Ishmael Massoud and Keontae Johnson hit huge three-pointers to create some separation late in the game. So the wild ride in Coach Jerome Tang's first season as a head coach continues, and that's our topic on today's Sportsbeat KC with beat writer Kellis Robinette. After our discussion of the Wildcats' victory, you'll hear my conversation with K-State Athletic Director Gene Taylor. We talked basketball the day before the Kentucky game, and Taylor shares his thoughts on the program, and is there a contract extension coming soon for Jerome Tang? Okay, let's get started. Kellis, as we have this conversation, I imagine Kansas State has just taken off from the Greensboro High Point Winston-Salem Airport and is winging its way back to the Little Apple, about to pack their bags to go to the Big Apple. And quite uh, a joyous plane ride it will be for the Wildcats, who the Purple Wildcats, who just beat Kentucky 75-69 to in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, I didn't know how this was going to unfold. I thought Kentucky would win the game. I was proven wrong. And um surprised Marquise Noel didn't just come over and, you know, point in my face or something. But he was the big difference in this game, wasn't he not? He was not only the biggest difference in this game, I think he's proven to be the brightest star in this NCAA tournament. Uh, maybe that was unexpected that he would play at this level, but – I mean, who's better? The only guy you could say who maybe has been better is Oscar Shibway, and he's done. <laughs> he's he's going home. He had 25 points and 17 or 18 rebounds today. I forget the exact number. And that stat line, as good as it was, wasn't enough to win. It wasn't enough to outshine Marquise Noel, who had 27 and 9. Um, just an incredible game from him. And I think the most impressive thing about it was that he was able to to kind of dig deep to do it. No, you know, it's not like he came out and had a game where he was just purely on fire, making shots all over. He actually started off not making much of anything, had to be a facilitator. But then he found it in the second half when Kentucky gets up early, I believe it was by eight points in the second half, start on a run. He kind of said, you know what, um, I'm gonna, I want to go to New York. I want to go home. I want to play in the garden. I'm dragging Kansas State here if I got to do it. And he starts making threes, starts making great passes. And it was interesting. As soon – nobody on Kansas State's team made a three until about the 15-minute mark in the second half when he made one, and that opened the floodgates for everything. He made two more. Ish comes off the bench and makes one. Keontae makes an absurd one when he does a, he does a step back. Fueled everything, so – I mean, every game's a team effort, a team win. But if you got to give it, you know, if you got to give anybody MVP honors here, it's pretty clearly Noel. That was uh, that was up there. I'm sorry, I'm rambling here, but no, no, it's it's think it's about time this. to People, do. It. The last time Kansas State beat Kentucky. Barry Brown had a great game, mm-hmm. so good that you know people say he's probably one day going to be have his jersey retired in Manhattan, Bramlage Coliseum. He's a legend because he won that game. I mean, Noel was better, I think. (laughs) I mean, do we need to start having that conversation about him? I mean, shoot, they're going to the Sweet 16. He's had this great game. And he 
Right before that, he had 17 and 14 against Montana State. There's no, there's no better point guard out there right now. No, and I, I agree with you, and I, I tweeted it out, that if there was an MVP for the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, it would be him. Look, a lot of people have scored more. I don't think anybody would have more assists than the 23 that he has in two games. But um, people have shot it better, but nobody had a bigger impact on victories the two victories for his team than Marquise and Noel. Uh, he was terrific. You talked about the, the first three-pointer that he hit. That was the one that, from the deep corner, that tied the game at 39 after, as you said, um, Kentucky had gone on an 11-0 run. K-State scored the first bucket out of halftime to increase its three-point halftime lead to five. And then Kentucky went 11-0 and missed two free throws in that stretch, too. So I thought at that point, Kansas State was in trouble. Um, I thought they were going to lose. At yeah, that moment. At the, at the, yeah, yeah. I, I thought the end of the first half was a great confidence boost for K State. The way Noel had the, you know, b- b- behind the back pass. To, two of them. To, two yeah, of them. the between the legs pass and then the no look pass to to end the half. They were incredible, and I thought this was a team that's going to go into halftime with confidence and swagger, and they know they can play with these guys. Uh, and, and instead, Kentucky comes out and takes over the first before the first media timeout of the second half, and and this is going to be Kentucky's game, and they're going to, you know, get the stink of last year's NCAA tournament loss to St. Peter's, uh, you know, out of their system, and um, and but Mar- but Marquise Noel would not let it happen. He had twenty three of his twenty seven in the second half. I thought it was very interesting that while I think both of us thought that okay, K- Kentucky flipped a switch there at the start of the second half. Um, they were creating turnovers. They were hitting Kansas State where they hurt the most. Um, and we saw that they're just, they just can't score in the midcourt or in half-court sets. They either get the ball to Oscar or they miss a three. Really, their best offense is missing a shot and having him go back and <laughs> yes. make it. Yeah. Um, but in that moment, they found other ways to score, and that's where Kansas State struggles. We've seen time and time again this season. They have a few bad stretches like that, and it kills them in the game. I thought it was very interesting that – all the credit we're giving to Marquise Noel. Jerome Tang had a great timeout in that moment. I mean, any coach would call timeout there, but he he pretty much, for the length of that long media timeout, he didn't even really talk to his team. He was talking to his coach. He pointed that out to me. I was looking at my screen, and you pointed out. Yeah, that- trying to figure out what in the world to do. And I asked him about it after the the game. You know, that was a uh, you know I don't normally see you talk consult with your coaches for you know two minutes before you go over and talk to the guys. I thought maybe they were coming up with some wizardry in there or something. And he more or less said, you know, yeah, we talked about some strategy, but mostly he just thought his guys needed to calm down. Hmm. Let's let them rest. Let them think about stuff, reset. Pretty much just came back in and said, all right, they had the run. Now let's go on ours and win. And um, it worked. And I think not only was Noel the best player in this game, I think Jerome Tang was the best coach in this game by far. I think he ran circles around uh, Calipari as a coach. No, I agree. I, I don't think that can be denied. And if you um, happen to venture on to some of the Kentucky message boards right now, <laughs> um, not not too uh, not too happy with uh, with John Calipari as the coach. But that's that's how it goes with Kentucky. Uh, yeah, it is. And he he's had a bizarre uh, arc this season. You know, the few weeks ago, everyone said, "Yeah, he can just go ahead and go to Texas if they want him." And yeah. They win a few games. Okay, now we're looking good. Probably at halftime, you know, or when they were going on that run, things were looking good. But oh yeah, not not so great. Big Blue Nation today. I, yeah. bet, I bet they're tired of playing Kansas State in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I bet they are. I didn't use this, and it's, I don't even think it's worth tweeting. But in in 2018. Uh, and this is more of a Kansas City note than it is a Kansas State note. But in 2018, Kentucky lost to 
Kansas, Missouri, and Kansas State during the season, and that happened this year as well. Wow. For the only teams that – yeah, it's the only two times it's happened. So I, okay. I find that interesting. And uh, one of those teams in 2018 went on to the Final Four, KU with Devontae Graham. And so maybe maybe that's what um, that's what's going to happen to the Wildcats here, who we now know are going to take on Michigan State in the Sweet 16 at Madison Square Garden. So a mild surprise there. Um, yeah. I really don't even know what to tell you about Michigan State because I was so confident that Marquette would be in that game. You're talking about my national champion, Marquette? Um, hey, I had him in my Final Four, too. Um, uh, y'all y'all can laugh at me at this. I put a small futures bet in on Marquette to win the East region when it came out. I thought they were such a bad matchup for Kansas State because they create, they create more turnovers than any team in the country. They, they offensive rebound like Kentucky. They score at the rim. I did not see Kansas State beating Marquette. But the beauty of this tournament, much like I've said – when they the last time Kansas State went on the run on their run and Virginia was sitting there in the way, mm-hmm. somebody else beat them for them, and they were able to move on. And now we see the same thing here. They get to play a Michigan State team that, while I'm sure they will still be a difficult matchup, it will with great coach. With, yeah, great coach to kind of reverse what you see today. Tom Izzo's not going <laughs> to get out there and just say, "All right, we're going to put up threes and hope that we get the rebounds here, boys." They're not going to roll the ball out there and just hope to win. Um, as you can tell, I was really, really not impressed with uh, with with Kentucky's coaching today. You couldn't tell. Um, they'll coach good. They're, they're physical. Big Ten team. I'm sure they'll have you know a good front court here ready to go. But I'm sure if you put some truth serum into those Kansas State coaches, they're happy to play yes. Michigan State as opposed to Marquette. No doubt about it. Um, I want to offer another impression that I had about Kansas State, and this was before the game. This was actually on Saturday when the, the players and the coaches meet reporters um, in the off day. And so we know it's the Kansas State-Kentucky matchup. And I think um, – uh, I can't remember who went first. It had to be Kentucky because Kansas played the, the second the, – the last game on Friday. And one thing I heard from the players – uh, at the podium, not so much in the locker room, but at the podium, where it was how much confidence they had going up against Kentucky. And um, this was before they had seen film of them and you know had scouting report. But their their rationale seemed to be, well, we're from the best conference in the country, the Big 12, and we're the three seed and they're the six seed. And I'm not saying that they they disrespected Kentucky's history and tradition or, or Oscar Shibwe or, you know, any of their players, but it just, I looked at the Kentucky Kansas state game as, you know, the Kentucky had been playing better down the stretch. Um, they, they had a player in Shibwe that Kansas state was going to, was going to be a handful for the Wildcats, just like he was for Providence mm-hmm. in their opening game when he had 25 rebounds, but can Kansas state, Almost like a collective yawn about who the opponent was. You know, they they weren't overly concerned. Look, they obviously prepared well and played well, won the game. But I'm just, it struck me that um, you know they were not intimidated at all playing B- Big Blue Nation in the game, and except for a couple of stretches, and I, I imagine Kentucky led more of the game than Kansas State did today. I don't have it in front of me. Um, Kansas State and especially Marquise Noel uh, did not, you know could have cared less about who the opponent was. They just played a, a terrific game, ex- except for, you know, some distant shooting. They played a terrific game, well-prepared. 
uh, well coached and uh, met every challenge, didn't let any deficit get too big. And, um, and in the end, when the game was a toss-up, and it was a toss-up game with two minutes mm-hmm. to go, Kansas State made the plays. They made all the plays down the stretch. Yeah, and their their clutch gene was so good in this game. Think about this. They, they beat Kentucky in a game where they didn't make a three in the first half. Started, what, 0 for 15 from three, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Um, I, early on in the season, in the Big 12, if they do that, they're losing to everybody in the league. They're not beating Texas Tech. They're not beating TCU. They're not beating – anybody with that kind of stat line. So it shows you the kind of grit that they came into this game with. And a few shout-outs I'll give for, for certain guys in this one um, going up against Kentucky. I think David Gasson had a lot of very underrated minutes. Absolutely he did. Played, a couple of big rebounds. and Yeah, big rebounds, scored a couple points. A very good defense, I thought. At least physical defense. Like, he was not making things easy on Oscar at all. Right. And, and let me, let, contested let, a lot of those entry passes so he wasn't just getting layups. And I talked to him about that after the game. And one thing I told him I noticed was that uh, often when, uh, when when Shibway got the ball down low, you know, he was trying to get his hands on the ball. You know, you're, you're not going to – you're barely going to block a Shibway shot, but, um, but you can try to tie him up or knock the ball out of his hands. And I thought – um, Gasson did a great. I know I'm not pronouncing it. Gasson. Right. Gasson, thank it's you. A silent end. Okay. Gasson was doing a terrific job with that. And then he thanked me for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was cool. He also had a tremendous, tremendous one minute stretch where he lost his shoe <laughs> yes, and right. only could get it halfway on and was kind of hobbling around the court and still managed to get a. Uh, I wouldn't say he got a rebound, but he tipped it to somebody else so he, he could get the rebound. With one shoe on. So yes. to come up with that kind of play in a game like this with one shoe, um, very memorable. I'd also say I thought Desi Sills played really yeah. well. Yes. Not the most impressive stat line in the world, but he was putting his body on the line. Um, bad hip. He's yeah. Really, he's bad, already got a bad hip. Yeah, he? bad hip, putting his body on the line, um, and he totally you know downplayed it afterwards, saying he didn't even have to take any charges in this game or anything like that. Um, and it also struck me that, like the players afterward were all very much, I don't know, they didn't quite puff out their chest as much as I thought they would about this. Like you were saying, I think they just kind of expected to win. And really the the one the one guy who kind of did do a little, you know, chest pounding was uh, was coach, Jerome Tang. Yes. And But he did it in a good way. It's not like, you know, I coached this, I won this. I, I love the quote he said when somebody asked him, you know, does it mean any more to beat a traditional power like Kentucky? And his answer was along the lines of, Tradition is meaningless. The guys who used to play here and win all those games for them aren't coming back. You're not going to win regardless of who you are unless you have dudes on the floor. And we had more dudes than they did. So, I mean, just right there, he pretty much just said, we have better players than Kentucky. And that fueled, I mean, that fueled all these guys. I think Cam Carter, the sophomore guard for Kansas State, gave me the quote after the game saying that he thought that uh, not only did they prove they were the better team in this game, he thought, now, I mean, obviously – little grain of salt here, a little, he's a little biased. He said he thinks Kansas State has proven they're the best team in the country and they're going to keep going. Wow. So. Wow. They're, they are the best seeded team left in the region. This was Purdue and Marquette's region. Mm-hmm. Purdue was the one, Marquette was the two. They're both out. Kansas State is the three. Duke was the five. It is out. Um, uh, who was the four in the East? Tennessee. Tennessee. And they looked really good knocking Duke out uh, of the tournament. So uh, Michigan State's seventh seed, and um, 
And so Kansas State, the, the highest remaining seed left in the, in the East region. Yeah, that you they'll be wearing white every game in the tournament. The only hard part for them is, you know, do they stick with the, the cursive white the yeah. script that they've been wearing with the little lavender accents or – or they're undefeated in them in this tournament, or do they go to the you know the block letters that they've worn during the regular season? I think I believe they were undefeated in those the regular season too. Maybe they had one loss in there. I don't remember, but I guess it's good to have those choices. Yes, right? and I don't I don't know if you screw around with <laughs> what's been working in the tournament. Yeah, I'd go ahead and just keep wearing the the ones you've worn so far. And it is interesting though. I guess I didn't really even realize that they are the. Uh, seed favorite the rest yeah. of the way and of course they I, weren't a betting favorite against Kentucky no, were they? no they weren't um and I, I I assume it'll be probably a pick em, close to a pick em against Michigan State I don't see either team being favored by more than one one possession there and I certainly wouldn't overlook the rest of this region Ten, Tennessee when they play good on defense very very hard to beat yep and Florida Atlantic, they're up right now. We're recording this um, before that game's over. They're up early in the first half. If they go on to win, um, they I watched them this regular season, and even though they're from a smaller conference, Conference USA, they're legit. They are good. Um, so you know, I don't want to bring up bad memories here, but if if – there's an elite eight involving Florida Atlantic and Kansas State. Oh, I know what you're Very much say. be Loyola Chicago, <laughs> yeah. Kansas State. It's not a game where you could just look at it and say, "Oh, well, it's Florida Atlantic. They're yep. a nine seed. They're gonna be pushover." No, they're they're legit. Tennessee's good. Michigan State, like I said, I haven't done any research on them yet, but hey, beating t- keeping Tom Izzo out of the Final Four is always hard. So, um, but I will say it's it, it's much preferable to Marquette and Purdue being in there. I think for sure. Okay, maybe not Purdue. I, Purdue I would have, it would have been interesting life. with with uh, with Edney, but um, you know, we're not going to see that. Fairly uh, Dickinson did it did it had the incredible upset. So, all right, Kellis, uh, you are going to have a quick turnaround. You're going to go home, going to wash your clothes, um, get a little sleep, and then you're going to head to New York and cover the East Region. I'm going to just stay in Kansas City and cover the Midwest Region with Texas and Houston. There, among other teams, it's not set yet as of, as of this recording. And um, I've had a great time covering this region with you. We've had a good time going to what I'll call my ancestral homeland of <laughs> Greensboro. I grew up in Raleigh, just a little while away. So, well, I, I just hope that once uh, you uh, hand the baton off to Vahe Gregorian and he comes up to New York City, we can um, find a similar. Um, assortment of good tasting beer and um, tasty food in that city as we did here. Because you had some excellent eating recommendations and you could probably write your own blog about uh, where to go and eat in North Carolina. Uh, and that is Baje's, um, uh, not his hometown, but the town he knows very well. Okay, where he, has, right. where he has family. So um, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, you're going to hear my interview with Gene Taylor, the Kansas State Athletic Director. We talked about um, Jerome Tang this season and hear what Gene Taylor has to say about a possible contract extension for the Kansas State coach. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. You and Coach Tang made it for other schools. 
to hire for a coach and say, oh, give him three or four years to you know, get his own guys in, his own program. And uh, I honestly hope it's the opposite. I, I hope that ADs will see that there are still a lot of really good coaches that are top assistants to think about. It was a different path. It was a different path, you know, and you know, and just because some of us, and I mean me, get in our heads sometimes, oh, we got to have a sitting head coach, we got to have a sitting head coach. So I, I really hope that he's been able to prove to ADs and other top assistants that, hey, you know, I you know what I'm doing. I, I can do it. You know, sometimes learning curves greater, but you got to just have patience. But I hope that's the case as opposed to making it harder for you. Well, it sounds like you were willing to have patience, but you didn't really need it. No, I, I, I was. And, I mean, I knew that for a couple of reasons. One, he had two guys on the roster. Um, and I knew, you know, just making it. And everybody that I've hired that had never been a head coach before, and I've hired a lot of them over from North Bay State to here, um, there is an adjustment because as an assistant, you're – you do so much, right? And then as a head coach, you want to be able to do all that, but you got to learn to delegate. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges is being able to delegate. And I think he was able to come in and do that. He obviously hired a lot of assistants that were trusted and knew well. And sometimes that's a challenge because you got to hire your buddies as opposed to that's something you kind of caution against. Uh, new head coaches, just don't go hire all your buddies. Go hire a good mix, and he's done that. He's got great experience. He's got good guys and good head coaches. Um, he's got good recruiters, so he did a good job of putting the staff together. But a lot of times, first time head coaches just go out and give their buddies a chance, and then it, and it doesn't work. So, was that one of the early signs for you that uh, we, we talked about that in the interview process? Okay. You know, tell me about your staff. What's your staff going to look like? And he had a couple of names, but then he. And he said, he actually said, I'm going to probably go out and find a guy that has been a head coach that understands what it takes to be a head coach. Um, and that to me was, was something really important. How about, what did he tell you about putting his roster together? Because that, that was, you know, I'll, starting from scratch, basically. I'll be honest with you. You know, he said, when we were sitting in, I, I told this a couple times, I told it to Jerome the other night. So when we were sitting in July, we had five guys. I was like, I'm getting, okay, this is making me a little nervous. And I went to him, it might have even been in late July and early August. I said, Coach, are you getting nervous? And he goes, nope. And I said, are you sure you're not just hiding from me? Because I'm getting nervous. We have five guys. We need a couple guys to be able to sub. You know, I was kind of joking. But he goes, Gene, we're going to get dudes, but we're going to get the right dudes. And I will find those dudes. And, and he did that. Maybe he was a little more nervous than he let on, but I never got that sense from him. The confidence that he had of, I'm going to build a pretty good rock. Now, once he got set and everybody got away, a couple guys, you know, Desi, you know, got in a little bit later and whatnot. But once everybody got here, I finally we sat down. And I said, hey, what do you think kind of year we said, you know, Gene, I really like these guys. I think it'll take us a while to gel. Because I think by the end of the season, we we should be a pretty good tournament team. He used the word tournament. Yeah, like we would get in. Yeah. Like it wasn't going to be a 
because I think we'll be a tournament team. And I'm like, okay, now a three seed tournament team. I don't think any of us saw that coming. Uh, but he felt he'd be able to mold them together to, to us get in the tournament. And he, he's right. You know, and so I, I wrote it down somewhere here. I think Kansas State was 34 and 58 or 38 and 54 in the previous three years since Bruce's last tournament team. And for him to make that statement, feel that confident about it, um, well, it suggests that he, you know, has a, a great confidence in what he's doing. And that was very consistent from the time we met. You know, it wasn't overconfident, it wasn't cockiness, it was more assuredness. And when the first hour that we met him in, in Kansas City, when he left, I said, fellas, that guy just set the bar. If we can find anybody that gets over that bar, we're going to be really lucky. And then when we got him went to his house and we had you know, a couple, three hours with him, he just kept that, you just got that from him. This you know, really high confidence in his ability to X and O, his ability to recruit, his ability to put his staff together, and it's just been that way ever since he got there. He, he, he act, obviously, the 19 years under Scott Drew, he was probably as much of a head coach later in those years than probably a lot of top assistants might be, and it, it showed how quickly he was able to adjust. So he's one of 14 uh, first-year coaches in basic major college, or Power 5, plus, plus the Big East. Three of them had coached before, uh, ever been head coaches. Kenny Payne at Louisville, who had a really tough season. John Shire at Duke, who was on Coach K staff and knew a year in advance he was going to be the head coach. Yeah. He began to shape <laughs> Jerome Tag, yeah. who, who in late July or early August had five guys on his roster. So I, I don't know. I, I think if I'm thinking about a first year coach of the year, it would be Jerome Tang. I, I don't know how it can't be. Um, and just generally coach of the year. I, mean, yeah. I know there's some other good names on there that have had success, but uh, what he walked into, two players, first time head coach, and ended up being the bottom of the barrel where they suggested we were going to be bottom you know, 10 out of 10 in the Big 12 to finish third and be a three seed. All those things and how we won games, who we beat on the road, it, it's impressive. It's impressive. And, uh, you know, you don't have to respond to this because it's, it's hypothetical, but, well, let me put it this way. What did you want to see from him when you hired him? What would have been yeah, an acceptable yeah. well, I wanted, progress? Yeah, I knew I knew from listening to him about X and O, you know, preparation for teams in our competitive. I wanted to see us be competitive, you know. Um, and I wanted us to be at a point where we got to the end of the year. Again, we'd either be not necessarily fighting for a big coach championship, but fighting for an opportunity to play in some sort of postseason. Uh, and I would think it's got to be great if we went to the NIT. Um, but as the year went along, and it, it was, I, you know, trying to be realistic and not set too high of standards for him. Just come in and let's be competitive. Let's get the energy back in the dome. Let's, let's get our fans excited about K-State basketball. And he's done all of that. That was that too. It comes along with success, of course, the renewed interest. But that's been amazing. And to me, the other aspect is 
he got student body fans oh. to change the mindset a little bit. Yep, yep. Um, yep. That chant thing, we we've, we've tried every Bill Snyder, you name it, and he does it in six months. Incredible. Know? Yeah, it's, it's just kind of who he is as a person. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's got a very infectious personality. Um, so do you, do you have to think about extending? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, certainly we want, I want him to know that we want him. And, you know, I don't know his phone may be ringing, may not be, you know, if it isn't, that doesn't mean why we want to at least have that conversation. I mean, we made a fair deal for a guy who never been a head coach, but he's proven that, you know, he can, he can be good. And so we probably need to sit down and look at what we put together to start with and see if there's something, you know, we need to make sure he's comfortable staying at K-State for as long as we keep it. And that would happen after the season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he needs to focus on being Kentucky and all that. And, and that's typically what I've done. Is, you know, occasionally I'll get a call from the agent, but usually it's been a coach. And they also help the agents get called. Right. Um, you got to feel pretty good about the head coaches in the two highest profile sports. <laughs> At Kansas State University, I do. I mean, I you know, we, you know, obviously, I knew one very well, yeah. and, and that was obviously we still had really good candidates. Two of them are top five head coaches that were part of the other candidates, and they've been successful. But I knew Chris, and I knew who he was, and that one I knew was probably going to be pretty good, and, and I just knew this one eventually would just because of. But I didn't know him. You know, I, I didn't know him personally like I did Chris. And, but to have those, you know, kind of critical hires doing as well, it, it, it makes everything a lot easier. Yeah. Puts a smile on everybody's face. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, it keeps the pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC crew of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Kellis Robinette for sharing his insights. All of the NCAA tournament coverage and everything else in sports was part of today's Morning Sports Edition, the best digital sports page in the land. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.